the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Well, on today's program, we are pleased to have join us the senior pastor of Kingdom Culture East Bay. He is Reverend Paul Pimtel, and Reverend Paul, great to have you with us today. It's great to be here. It's an honor, and uh, we are truly blessed to be on your radio station Pastor Pimentel, I want to talk a bit about what God is doing in your life and in your ministry, what God is doing in the church here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And I think that it's healthy for the body of Christ every once in a while to kind of go in and get a checkup. You know, they say that you should see your doctor at least once a year and get a sense of how the, the heart is and where you're at physically so that adjustments can be made along the way. And I think that's equally true when it comes to ministry and, and certainly where we are in our relationship with Christ. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I was thinking earlier today before we came on the radio about the name of your ministry, Kingdom Culture East Bay. And I thought, you know, um, Kingdom Culture, or more specifically put, Kingdom Building, um, is, mm. is a theme that kind of runs down below, just below the surface everywhere seemingly these, these days, although quite often it's in a very different context, I'm sure, than your ministry, meaning that we see a movement afoot that tends to focus on kingdom building, small k. They might be political kingdoms. They might be economic kingdoms. They might be kingdoms that benefit some but exclude others. But let's talk for a moment about kingdom in the context of what God wants us to be doing as a part of his kingdom and building not our kingdom, small k, but his kingdom, large k. Yes, Kingdom Culture, with the name that I came up was about 20 years ago, because we just changed the name from our church. It used to be uh, Mission Hills Christian Fellowship. But during the COVID season, uh, with all the spiritual battles that were going on, our church being closed down like many churches, uh, we, we, we did go through a lot of different times. And it was a great time for me to spend with the Lord during that season and uh, get to hear God. And one of the things that he prompted my spirit to do was to change our name to Kingdom Culture because of the culture battles that were going on, not just in America, but around the world. The the battle that is uh, going on is global. Uh, I travel around the world a lot missionary-wise, and I see the same battles everywhere. The enemy, he's the same everywhere. He's in the same tactics and battles. So when it came to Kingdom Culture, uh, I felt very strongly to change the name because I believe that the, the kingdom of God it was one of, if not, uh, Jesus' priority. You know, its first statement after he got baptized was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And not only at hand, but it was in you. And I started to understand and learn that uh, most of our churches don't understand the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom. Uh, we're supposed to be like Jesus. You know, what would Jesus do that, that was years ago when they brought that slogan out, what would he do? And, and they, they, they uh, marketed it, and whoever did it did pretty good financially. But uh, as a pastor in the Bay Area for 34, 35 years, uh, I've seen the battle of people trying to change their lives and become like Christ, the culture of Christ. And uh, my aim is that we disciple people, as we win them for the Lord, and we show them how to be kingdom-minded, kingdom lifestyle, walking by faith, being spiritual, uh, not being conformed to the world, but being conformed to the kingdom. And uh, it's been an amazing, uh, what, a couple of years since COVID, year and a half. Uh, it, it had exploded our ministry here in Hayward just by changing the name to Kingdom Culture. It has captivated people as they drive by the, the building. Uh, we're on one of the main uh, arteries in Hayward. They call it the Gateway. And uh, so people drive by and uh, it's such a powerful move, my brother Fred, that that when they see the sign, they stop and they go, what is the kingdom culture? 
And they actually come, and when they come into the service, and uh, they they see the atmosphere of, of the Holy Spirit in the church, they, they see the joy, the love, and uh, and again, we're experiencing such a movement of young folks coming in. Uh, they they not only come to look, but they stay. It's becoming a soul winning uh, tool just to sign it, and then the Lord just moving with that. It's been a tremendous time, uh, Brother Fred. I'm, I'm so in awe of what God is doing with this because I've been here for a while in Haywood, and I've experienced some good moves, but nothing like today. The the movement that God is doing in the Bay Area, he has really uh, actually blown me away. I'm saying, Lord, this is amazing what you're doing because I didn't think it was going to work anymore after COVID. Like you said, many folks have left. I lost all my leadership, my worship team, my ushers, my my assistant pastors. They all moved to Texas, Arizona, Florida. And I actually prayed and I asked the Lord, is it okay if I quit? I think I'm done. I'm in my 60s. I'm a little tired. And uh, I think I've done a good job here, Lord. And uh, I think it's time for me to pull up my, my tent and move on. And the Lord spoke to me and said, no, you're not. I'm not done with you. And like Moses, I, I asked him, what's the plan? I don't know if I want to rebuild again. I'm not sure if I have that energy. You know, that's a lot to build a church. Plus, I own a business. I, I own a business that uh, these have been a lot of time uh, taken in my life. So so the Lord said, yeah, I got the plan for you, son. I go, okay, Lord, what is it? He said, be patient. Now, patience is not one of my best virtues. <laughs> I'm a man that likes to go into action. Uh, I'm energetic. Uh, I'm kind of... In self-control too. So uh, being patient is not always a good virtue, but but uh, it was so true. I didn't see what was coming, um, but when it came, uh, it has more than uh, took me into places that I never thought was going to happen again to me, my ministry, and our church, and what's happening. I think what's encouraging, Pastor Pimentel, about what you're sharing is that there is oftentimes this, this growing sense of Frustration, I think, within the church, this sense that, well, there is a diminishing sense of spirituality, there is a diminishing sense of respect. We have fewer and fewer people, certainly post-COVID, that are actively engaged in church attendance. And my goodness, take a look at the world around you. I mean, you don't even need to leave the house to just get a sense of what's going on in terms of the deterioration of our society today. And yet what you're suggesting is that there remains that sense of spiritual thirst and spiritual hunger that, well, perhaps some individuals can't identify that longing or that yearning. But nevertheless, I believe that there is kind of that God-shaped vacuum in each of our lives that only walking in relationship and fellowship with Him can satisfy. Now, folks may turn to Eastern religion, mysticism. They may turn to money. They might even turn to drugs, all in an effort to have that sense of, of completeness and fulfillment in life. And yet once they encounter the living Jesus Christ and they make that connection, then we see lives changed, communities revolutionized. And mm-hmm. I believe we're still on the cusp of, of a great awakening. I, 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 you know, yeah. A lot of people like to say, this is it. It's over with. He's coming. He's not happy with any of us. Watch out for God's judgment. And while there's, there's certainly a good dose of truth to that, Yes. I think first and foremost, the church needs to be ready to strengthen its tent stakes and be prepared for a last, perhaps, great harvest. And, you know, Scripture reminds us the fields are white already under harvest. The problem, of course, is the laborers are few. few. But I'm encouraged to see that, at least in the life and ministry of Kingdom Culture East Bay, that sense of awareness of what the Holy Spirit is doing and the good things that God has yet in store for us. Because at the end of the day, let's face it, this is not about building my personal kingdom. It's about building his kingdom and about the church coming together, laboring in a fashion that we glorify him, raise his name up, and make disciples. And sadly, I think the church sometimes gets distracted from that. And while it's easy to say, well, the world is all about building their financial kingdom, their kingdoms of power and influence, uh, there's a fair share of that, sadly, that happens inside of the church, too, I'm afraid. 
And, and you're correct. Everything you said there, it's, I agree with you're correct. Uh, you know, I just returned from a mission trip from Barcelona, Spain. I have a young friend that just completed his second year uh, of missionary in Barcelona, my first time going, and I was honored to uh, preach his second year anniversary service. And uh, what I saw there in this city that is not God driven, it's it's paganism there, there's sin there. Uh, I mean, I likened it almost like to the Bay Area, very, very wild and crazy. But I saw his church, what he's doing, he's growing, he loves to go to the street and reach, preach and witness. And I, his name is Ralph. And I go, Pastor Ralph, so so what is the key for your growth? And he says, you know, Pastor Paul, the Bible says, if you preach the gospel, if you preach the good news, I will draw all men onto me. And you're correct, because I think sometimes we lose focus of our vision or, or what we're called to do. It says, go ye into the highways and byways, make disciples, teach them the good news. And I think we get caught up with, with all the extra things that, you know, get caught up in our natural minds. And I'm finding out if you're not spiritually connected and you're not hearing the Lord, it's easy, very easy to go your own way. And, and it may seem right, but the reality is, is uh, it's not what God wants. And, and hearing him say that, preach the gospel. I've always believed that, you know, we, we, we know that. But sometimes, like you said, you have to get refreshed. It was like a, a new revelation, though I've known it forever. And, and I brought her back home, and I said, Church, this is the key, the gospel. I held up my Bible. This is the key right here. We preach it. We preach the gospel. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It has love. Everything we need to make our Christianity work is right here in the key, in the gospel. And we are we are taking the gospel to the streets, to the, to the nations. Everywhere we go, we preach Jesus Christ. I am... Awakened, like you said again, in my years of 68 years, 47 years of ministry, I feel so refreshed right now for what God is doing. I believe an effectual door is open in the Bay Area. But you hit the mark. The laborers are few. But I do see new ones coming in. I I didn't get very many people back from my church when they left. But I have to tell you, our church is larger now in number. We have more people coming in now. We're thinking two services, a new building. There's a flood coming in. We see it coming in. God's speaking to us. It's all because we're preaching the gospel. We're teaching them love. The Bible says they will know you by your love. And we're, we're, we're getting this love of God to help the lost, to help the young. These young ones are lost. They're, they're depressed, frustrated, many suicides going on. And these folks that are coming in, Brother Fred, they never heard the gospel. I am amazed that in the Bay Area, with all the social media, with all we have, these folks have not heard the gospel. And, man, they're coming in, and we're teaching them just the elementary basic gospel that Jesus loves you. Just that is it, it, making these people just get rooted, that somebody cares for me, somebody loves me, and they're hungry. And the remnant, the remnant that stayed our God is using them with their gifts, their abilities, the crafts to help teach and build God's kingdom. We are building the kingdom of God in Hayward in the Bay Area. And the Bible says the gates of hell will not stop it. It's not going to stop it. Um, for folks that are new to the Bay Area, Pastor Pimentel, they'd like to get more information about what God is doing at Kingdom Culture East Bay. It, take a moment, if you would, just kind of give us a snapshot of church life at Kingdom Culture East Bay. Well, first of all, thank you very much for this time. I really appreciate it. We're very honored to be not only speaking to you, but all your listeners. We're grateful for that. We are a multicultural church. We have different cultures. And we're all assimilating to the kingdom culture. As we pray, let your will be done on earth and it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. We, As of right now, we've been rebuilding after COVID, and we're establishing new leadership as we're training new leadership. Uh, we, we have our church, as of right now, our service at 10.30 on Sunday morning, uh, at 10 o'clock, I'm sorry, 10 o'clock on Sunday morning uh, in Hayward. Our, our address is 29952 Mission Boulevard in Hayward, California. Now, we are in the process of rebuilding, so we're adding more youth services. We're in the process of uh, putting in a midweek service again, probably starting next month on Wednesday night for adults and whoever wants to come. It's open to anybody. We teach. Uh, we're a working church. I'm a working pastor, bivocational. Uh, God has never let me quit. 
He continues to give me the strength to continue. So I understand if you have to work, we don't try to keep you long during the week, but long enough to receive the gospel and what God wants for you. Uh, we are doing water baptisms coming up. Uh, we have men's and women's retreats coming up. Uh, we do a lot uh, for our church, keeping our people uh uh, alive in the gospel. We always have revivals. Uh, uh, we have men's meetings. So we're, we're generating a lot, a lot of, uh, of not just programs, but bringing in folks to even help build. There's a lot of good people. You know, I have four brothers who are pastors, uh, three brothers who are pastors. God got them. When he got me, he got them too. And sometimes they'll come in and preach or we'll go and we've traveled the world together. God, amazing what the Lord has done. But anyway, uh, we're a church at the life. We, 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 we will love you. We will do the best we can to teach you the gospel. And if you're looking for a church, a uh, kingdom culture, East Bay, we're alive. And uh, if God wants you here, come, come and visit. And, uh, we say this, drink of the well and you'll thirst no more if you come to kingdom culture. 29952 Mission Boulevard in Hayward. Sunday services at 10 a.m. And for more information, you can call the church directly at area code 510-441-7700. That's 510-441-7700. Or even still online at kingdomcultureeastbay.com. That's kingdomcultureeastbay.com. And our thanks to Pastor Reverend Paul Pimentel for being with us today. Pastor Paul, thanks so much for the time. It's exciting to hear what God is doing, and we're going to continue to pray that the Holy Spirit just come in like a flood and really do some Hmm. exciting things at Kingdom Culture East Bay. Again, thank you very much. We appreciate this time. The honor of being chosen. Thank you very much. All right. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Pimentel. We have been here for 30-some years, and we, uh, we've done some great things for the Lord. He's used us good. We've met some great people, you know, during the years people got saved. Uh, a lot of things have transpired uh, during those years. But, but I got to be honest with you, the season that we're in right now, I believe God knows what he's doing because I do believe some of the end times are starting to come. And the Bible, like I said last week in, in, the, in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, he says these words, In the last days I will pour my spirit out. On all flesh. Now, God is not racist. He's not a respecter of persons. Uh, God made all humanity. Glory to God. God loves us all. And the Bible states that in the end time, I'm going to pour my spirit out. Now, I told you guys, I'm watching as the youth came in, the young came in. We had a big movement of the youth come in. And to me, everybody's young because they're a little bit younger than me. Hallelujah. But I'm seeing the teens and the young 20s come in. And I'm seeing the fire that God is putting in them. Uh, Reuben says from the, the, the retreat they went to, they caught on fire. They, they got to know each other, and uh, they, they uh, became close, and a lot of them filled with the Holy Ghost. It, it's so powerful that this week as I was driving, you know, I get texts all the time. I get phone calls all the time from church members, from people, from everywhere. And I got a text from one of our young parishioners, uh, one of our young youth, 24-year-old young guy. I wonder who it is. And, 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 and he sends me a text, and... And I'm starting to read it, and I'm driving, so i got to be careful, you know. And uh, it starts up with this, and saying, Pastor, I'm so hungry for God. Now, it wasn't a text of complaining, murmuring, I don't agree with you this, this or that. It was one that said, I am so hungry for God. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. I'm even fasting. This young man sounds serious. I'm going, whoa. He said, but I, I, I'm wondering, I'm this age, and what's it going to look like in three years? Where's it going to be at? And, and then he asked me a question on the text of this pastor. If he could go back and meet the young Pastor Paul Pimentel, what advice would you give him? Now, if you could go back to your young, youthful age and look at your salvation, what advice being now, what you give yourself, that could help and change your course to the better. Ah, there's things I would change. I would try anyway. You know, there's things that I did that I probably wouldn't do now. I learned. Uh, we trusted people. Uh, they kind of bid us. Hallelujah. We didn't have money. Never came back. You know, love folks that eventually didn't love us back. But there was also good things. But when when I read that, 
part, what would you tell yourself? I didn't hesitate because I know what it is. I know what has caused Lori and I to be where we're at. And it was called obedience. I wrote, young men, if you could be obedient, faithful to God, you'll be blessed. Genesis 22, 17, and 18 as I turned there, this Old Testament, guys, first book of the Bible, we're going to be talking about Abraham this morning. And if you're taking notes, I title my sermon as Radical Obedience. Because it's going to take you to become radical to obey what God wants you to do. Say amen. But I think some of you are struggling right now with what God wants you to do. God is calling some of you to do something that you think are so radical and they probably are because God is a radical God. Amen. Genesis 22, 17 and 18, talking about Abraham. He says, blessings, I will bless you. And multiply, and I will multiply your descendants. As the stars of the heaven, amen, and as the sands which are on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Father, we just give you glory this morning, Father. We just pray that you breathe on your word this morning, that as we sent it out, it's not going to come back void. It's going to accomplish what you intended to accomplish. Let me speak with clarity. Let me speak, Father, so they can understand what your word needs to be saying today. So, Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the honor of preaching to your kingdom church here in Hayward, California. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And the church said, if I have to tell you something this morning, if you can go home with anything, is obedience is the key. You can have all knowledge, the Bible says. You can sing like a canary. You can play the instrument better than anybody. You might even be able to preach better than anybody. You might know all the word, hallelujah, but if you don't obey it, it's not going to do you any good. Obey. Obeying is the key. And like I said, Lori and I, amen, have experienced all kinds of these good things, uh, amen, in our 40 plus years of ministry because we have obeyed. I remember when I went to Ontario Praise Chapel with my family, I was struggling to get saved. Anybody struggle to get saved? I don't want to say yes for a long time. I fought it. I, I, I thought the Christian world was kind of weird. Yeah, we used to fight with the Christians. You know, we, we thought they were goody good and all this. You know, kind of strange people. We are strange. We're peculiar, okay? Let's just, let's just cut it. We're strange folks. Amen. We're cut from a different cloth than the world. So we are strange to the world. And it took a while for me to get saved. Maybe you got saved right away, not me. Took me a while for that yes to to really take hold, and, and when, we, when it took hold, uh, Amen. God God did something because when Lori and I came to the Lord, we had this fear. Now again, they showed us these movies called the uh, Distant Thunder, the Big Three, you know, the 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 Beast, and all these rapture movies that scared the living heck out of us. You know, the, you're going to be taken away. You know, the rapture is going to come, and and if you're not good, we had little babies and. Lori used to wake up scared that, that the kids would be taken up and we're still there. But, but you know, that would scare me. I, it stopped me from sinning. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know the love of God. I didn't know the word of God yet. I didn't know the Holy Ghost yet. All I know is I came in and I didn't want to sin and this flesh wanted to sin sometimes. Hello. This is at the beginning, at the beginning of our walk. You know, the flesh, the spirit's not yet strong. It's, 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 my faith is very little. I have a little bit of faith that God said he put in us, but it hasn't grown yet. And so the thing that kept me was the fear of sinning because he would come back and he cashed me. My, my, my luck, the day I sinned, he would come. Hello. And many times, and maybe you're not that way, but I was that way. It kept me rooted. And it was happening with my pastor at that time, Pastor Johnny. He was a risk taker. To be a Christian, you got to be a risk taker. You got to do things that are going to scare you sometimes. They're, they're going to blow you away what you're going to do sometimes. You're not sure if they're going to work or not. So we call it risk taking. And Pastor Johnny must have known something about me because 
When we got there, uh, we weren't even there a month and they wanted to make me a Bible study leader. Now, that was big in our, our home ter- church, being a, a Bible study leader. I didn't even know the Bible. What the heck am I going to be a Bible study leader? And then he put me with a, with a guy that became a pastor in a church and he went to Germany and came back. I was the assistant to him. And I had all these guys that got mad at me because I took their position. They were there longer than me. And they were. But Pastor Johnny had some spiritual insights about me. He had to get me involved. See, the problem with some of you is you need to get involved. Nah, not a lot of, uh-huh. you you, you got to quit being selfish for you and start to help to build the kingdom. You know, being involved caused me to have accountability. I started teaching young kids, playing basketball with them, taking them places like Reuben. We had a gang of young kids, and, and you know, I started witnessing to them about smoking and drinking back in the days, and, and I still drank a little bit. I was a sipping saint at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a couple of years before I got committed, I still drank the fruit of the vine. It was still there. I'm not talking about prune juice or grape juice. We're talking about the fermented kind. Hallelujah. But I knew doing that wasn't good because you're just putting substance in your mind and it's altering you and it's not letting you be in control. And I hate not being in control. Hello. So he knew something about getting us involved and, and he asked us to ask me to be a Bible study teacher. I told Lori, he's got to be kidding. I don't know anything about the Bible, but I said, yes, I'll do it. And you have to learn on the job. It's called on the job training. That's what we do. We do on the job training. Amen. We don't go to theological school. We don't go to seminary school. We are trained on the job. Uh, everything I learned before I sat, uh, got sent out was on my church grounds, from, from the Bible studies to ushering to cleaning the church, amen, to being there on time, amen, uh, to going overseas and ministering overseas. I learned that in the six years I was in Ontario. And all the time when there were things going on and pastor asked us to do it, Lori and I never said no one time to him. Now, what did we say no? It didn't mean we agreed with it. It didn't mean we felt good about it. We just knew God put us under him. God brought us to that church. God put us under that man. And we had to trust him, even though he wasn't my culture, even though he was different than me. For whatever reason, God brought us into a church that I felt he made a mistake. Not my type of people, God. The guy says, so it's my type. That's how we've been, Lori and I. We've been, amen, always obedient to God. And I can look back when we first came with nothing. No jobs, no family, no friends, amen. And to where we're at today, I get blown away. I get blown away. It all because we said yes to this radical move of God. Hello, somebody. I believe we're in a season that God wants to use you. I believe God that we're in a season where God has exploded you with gifts and talents. I believe some of you are overflowing with the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That you're having a hard time sitting here because you're jumping at the bit. To, amen. To do more in the body. Well, yet the real ministry is out these four walls. Hello. Hello. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. But I look at what the Lord has done for us, and I attribute it to obedience. Say obedient. Not easy. I mean, people get married today, and they give an oath and promise that they'll be faithful. But how many divorces are there? How many broken relationships? I'm talking about church people. Amen. Hallelujah. Be a disciple, watching God moving us. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, I believe the root to the answer of, of, of being blessed uh, is brought forth by our obedience. And if you can't be obedient this morning to the Lord, even if it seems difficult, you will encounter its blessings. I have the most difficult schedule anybody can want. It is the most craziest thing God has done with me in regards to the church and the business. Being a husband, being a father, being a grandfather, amen, all of these hats we have to wear, it is a difficult time. I feel sometimes I'm trying to juggle this. You ever, you ever like that? Trying to juggle your schedule, trying to get your time. Is there enough time in my life? Heck no. Amen. When I die, what they're going to put on my gravestone is, here's the man that did not have enough time per the day. 
I was talking with Brother Ruben. He's starting his business, and I'm watching him. He's busy. God is opening up doors for him. God is doing things, hallelujah, that are showing his faithfulness and trust to Reuben. Amen. And he tells me, he goes, Pastor, I'm tired. Well, welcome. Welcome to life. I said, I remember working 18 hours a day for 15 years with my son and a, a Pastor Adrian, a few people. Amen. I was so burned out from three hours of sleep for 15 years a night. I remember flying to the Philippines, to, flying to Hong Kong, flying to Africa, and I sleep the whole way. And my pastor would say, Paul, you're wiped out. He goes, I am beat, pastor. I am so beat. And I would pray to God, God, take one of these away. Take the business away or take the church away. And God gave me his spiritual answer. Ha! My grace is sufficient for you, son. When you're weak, then I'm strong. You see, God knew me. A prideful, hard. I can do things, control. Hello. Talking to this church. We, we, we like to be in control. And many times, guys, God will put us in a place where we're tired. We're weak. Then he gets your attention. Amen? Obedience is better than sacrifice, is what the prophet told Saul. But obedience can be difficult. How many will say amen? Genesis 22, verse 1 and 2. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. What did he do? Tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here am I. I believe God's calling some of you by name. But you run. You hide. Remember Adam in the garden when he sinned? With his wife? What did he do? Why was he fearful? Well, he sinned, but what was he doing when God came looking for him? He was hiding her. It's funny how when we don't want to do things for God or we sin, we try to hide from God. He won't come to church. And then we try to hide. Can, can I ask you a spiritual question? Can you hide from God? Why do you do it? Because you think I'm God. Yeah, you think because I'm, I, I don't see you, you're getting away with it. You're doing what you're going to do. But I got news for you. God says, I know every thought that you have. When you, revel, when you read Revelation, he's talking about the churches, the seven churches. He says these things about them. He goes, I know your deeds. I know, I know your thoughts. I know what you do. See, we don't know God. Because if we knew God, you can't hide from him. You can't, amen. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're thinking. Hallelujah. And so, amen, we have a tendency to try to run and hide from God when we're not obedient. Here I am, Abraham says. Then he said, verse 2, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Whoa, 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 whoa. What would you do if God told you, I want your son or your daughter? I want them to be a burden of Some of you go, praise God. Take them. <laughs> I see how you get mad at your kids sometimes. Oh, they're not that angel you think they are. Everybody else's kid is Brad except yours. Is that true? Because I know how that works. But I tell people, don't call kids Brad because you're going to be in trouble. Especially if you don't have them yet. My kids will never do that. Ah, I've heard that before. And then I see what happens. Mercy. I said, I don't want you to be careful what you say. Be very careful. And I'm thinking about this story. Here's, Here's Abraham. He has one son. Now, if you go back to Genesis 15, verse 5, Abraham was already having a covenant with the Lord. In verse 12, God gave him a covenant already with him. And in verse 15, He's talking with Moses or Abraham again, and he takes him outside. He goes, I want you to look at the heavens. Now picture this, uh, amen. Abraham goes outside, looks at the heavens, and God says, count the stars if you can. Can you count the stars up there? He said, so well, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Now think about that. Now, now, now Abraham doesn't say, 
Quit lying to me, God, because I don't have any kids. You guys know how old Abraham was about that time? He was pushing about 100 years old, they said. His wife was no spring chicken either. She was in her 90s. They were well past the childbearing age. Even then when they lived to live to be a few hundred years old. But the Bible, listen to me, when God speaks the promise, it's going to happen. Somehow, Abraham, the father of faith, when God said, you're going to be, have all the descendants, didn't question God. Wait a minute, I don't have a kid. Plus, my wife is old and I'm old, God. You know, we would have done that. I guarantee you, I would have done that. Wait a minute, logically speaking, this is impossible. You're right. Logically, naturally, it is impossible. But God doesn't move in the natural. He doesn't move in the logic. He moves in the spiritual, in the supernatural. Hello, follow me. So, so when, when, when God, amen, showed him that, he didn't question God. But the Bible says he met, he got to know his wife. In other words, they got together and they procreated a child. And that child was called the child of promise, Isaac. Now, you have to know that child was spoiled. I'm grandpa to that child. It's spoiled to the max. I spoiled my grandkids to the max. Right, Lorinda? If Amy was here, she said, they come to my house, there is no laws in my house for them. Yeah. It's almost like anarchy sometimes. Amen. They, they, they can do what they want because of the love that we have for them. And, and, so, and so I believe this child was raised up with so much love, so much care. Come on. I believe Sarah Mann, you know, had his arms always watch him. Not letting him go anywhere. We're maybe overbearing sometimes. Be only child. Child of promise. And here comes God and tells Abraham, I want him to sacrifice him. You got to take him out. We're going to read some more, but I don't see anywhere where he talks to Sarah about this. Let's read some more. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early. When did he raise? Early in the morning and settled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, what day? Adam lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, listen to this, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to his father. Now this will probably break my heart if I was a dad. He goes, Papi. I'll, I'll translate it in Spanish, Papi. Because it says my father here. Papi. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Here's Abraham. He's probably choking a little bit. How do I tell my son he's the one? I believe there's maybe even his eyes getting all watered up, you know, looking at his mijo, his pride and joy, the promise. You know, he's going to have to take him out. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together, and they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son. Can you imagine what he felt like, binding him, tying him up, amen, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. It's going to happen as far as he's concerned. I don't see God and praying, God, please don't be you, God. Please change this, God. I know you're not going to. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't say one word regarding what God is having him do. We would have been, I would have been going, God, this is not you, God. It can't be you, God. And I'm putting my son there, my only son, and I'm tying him up, and I have the knife in my hand. I'm going to get ready to, you know, split his throat open. I would be petitioning God, wouldn't you? God, you must have made a mistake. You should have called John and Henry. They got more kids than I do. Okay, they can afford to lose one. It's not going to help. I would have been negotiating. I know how I am. Oh, God, please. Please, God, it can't be you. It can't be you. I've been fasting. I've been doing everything I knew spiritually to do to try to change the scenario of what was going to happen. And so would you. But he didn't. Abraham did not say one single word 
He was just doing what God called him to do. Verse 10, and Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But, but, say but. But. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything for him. For now I know that you fear the Lord God. That you have not withheld your son, your only son. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Hallelujah. Amen. Why didn't Abraham say anything? You know, when you trust God, and you've been through battles with God, you get to a place where you know he's going to come through for you. God asked me to do things now. I don't pray about it anymore. I don't ask for confirmation from anybody. Let me call this person. Let me call the prophet. Let me call the evangelist. I don't call anybody. I know God's voice. I've been through it enough, guys, in 47 years of being saved. I'm at a place now that when God speaks to me, it doesn't always feel good. I don't know we shout, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But I know he's done something in my life, and I carry something that the people got to hear. Even in the Philippines, I got to do this. I know because we have been obedient to God, we've been faithful to God in everything. That God has no problem calling me out. It's up to me and Lori. When I told Lori, I got to go, she goes, pull the calendar, let's find the date. She didn't say, but your schedule, Paul. But this, we, we don't do that. We just know God is calling us again. God is calling us to do something. It's going to make me uncomfortable. It's going to give me more tired than I am right now. I'm still trying to recover from Barcelona. I'm trying to recover from all the work we did before and then afterwards. My son, he's a slave driver on me. He's got no mercy on me. He forgets I'm 68 years old. <laughs> but it's okay because I don't complain. I own the business. He has to make it work. He has to make it work. He's the number man. And if it means I got to work, I got to work. Right? I don't cry. I live good. I'm blessed. Amen? God is so good. Hallelujah. Abraham, I believe, was so full of faith and trust in God. Even though, naturally speaking, what God wanted to do was impossible. See, when you trust God, and you love God, and you've been through the war with God, and he's brought you out over and over and over, you get to a place where you don't mistrust him anymore. You don't fear anymore. Oh, it tries to get you. I'm not going to lie. It tries to come in because the enemy ain't going to stop. But you come to a place where you trust. And Laurie and I have been married 46 years. I hope she trusts me. Huh? Because I trust her. I don't have to worry about her at all. Who can she get to? Re- no, I better not go there. And who could I get that could tolerate my ways? See, the wife you have was picked for you by God because she can tolerate you. I pray for Reuben's future wife. Where's Reuben at? I don't see him. I pray that he get the right woman, not led by the flesh. Because men are so visual, it's ridiculous. Yeah, what do you mean? What they see, they like. They don't care what they're all about. They're visual. But Reuben has a call in his life. The big call, what God is doing. Critical, he gets the right one. Again, why didn't he talk to Sarah? You remember when, 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 when God told him they were going to have a child? And she was listening, eavesdropping? What did she do? <laughs> yeah, you got to be kidding. <laughs> that guy's too old, man. Hey, me, I'm old too. Have a child? What if God told you now that, Aldridge, you're going to have a child? I was looking at Terry and Priscilla. 
<laughs> Terry's in his 70s, you know. And he's a vibrant young man. You have to watch out. He's vibrant. He's very dangerous. Amen. Hallelujah. But she left. I, I think Abraham remembered that. And because she left, God rebuked her. How? Shut her up. That's one way. Shut her up. Because she didn't believe and she left. See, he didn't forget about that and God knew that too. So somehow there was an interconnection. Don't tell the wife. Because I don't think she would have laughed at this one. I think she would have tried to stop it. Uh, come on, mama. Talk to me, mom. Uh, you going to do what to my kid? Uh, 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 the mother hen. Have you ever seen chickens that have chicks? When they walk, we raised chickens growing up. And the little chickies are so cute when they're little. Sometimes they're like little golden. They're walking around. And you got the mother walking in front of them. And if you try to grab one of those chickens, they do their, their wings come out. The hairs come up. And I see some of you women, when they're, they're, you're about your kids, mm, you're ready to attack. The guy doesn't do anything. It's just the wife. Huh? Something about mama. And the church. I believe she would have probably tried to stop him. She would have come against him. She would have made life miserable for him. Because he would have had to convince her it was God. You're crazy, Abraham. No, you've been having too much of this. No, this is God. God wouldn't want that. What would you say, Mama? We're leaving this church. Forget that. We're leaving you too. But Abraham knew. He knew. Amen. And the Bible says in Romans 4.20 that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. You know, one of the biggest battles folks have about God is not having faith in him. When you read about the Israelites' movement from Egypt to the wilderness to the promised land, the biggest battle they had was unbelief. They couldn't believe God's promises. When they visually saw the giants, when they visually saw the obstacles of, amen, they, they reverted back to the flesh. We do that so often. We're supposed to be spiritual people. We walk by, by the Spirit, not by sight, amen. Hallelujah, we're faith folks. But man, when, when, when the things started happening, when COVID came, man, even I responded wrong. I learned a lot through COVID about my spiritual life. I learned a lot that, amen, my, my faith wasn't as big as I thought it was. My trust in God wasn't as big as I thought it was. Hello? This is why I think in America and around the world, this was a global spirit that attacked everybody. Amen? And we found out exactly that the church was extremely weak. When I say the church, I said me. And that's why for those months, amen, that we were locked up, amen, I didn't like the way I was. And I told God, i got to change. I'm not the strong man I think I am. Hallelujah. You just exposed me, God. Hallelujah. There's nobody else I'm praying to or crying to. But myself, I felt so inadequate, amen, because I could not stand up against this, amen, attack. Yeah. I wavered. I held back for a while. Amen. But the good thing was that I drew close to him. This is what we do, guys, when we go through it. Don't run away, run too. Amen. Abraham, man, this guy had faith galore. Amen. And he responded with no wavering, the Bible says. And because of that, he said yes to God, to this radical request, almost unreasonable request. Look what the Lord did for him. Amen. Abraham was about to follow through with God's plan to sacrifice his son Isaac. Amen. And we must believe that he was completely willing to plunge that knife into Isaac because his faith was in God. Somehow, somehow, he knew God would come through. Somehow, amen. And even if he killed his son, a commentary said that he believed he would have resurrected him from the dead. Another one said he was so in faith with God that he knew that if he had to sacrifice Isaac, God would bring a substitute to follow through with the promise that he had given him of being the father of many nations and having descendants more numerous than the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. Somehow he knew God was going to come through. 
Yeah. Hallelujah. Craziest thing that I like about this story, if you don't catch it, is verse 5. When, 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 when Abraham is getting together, amen, the, the donkey, the, the guys that are going to say to watch the donkey, he's given instructions. And then he tells the, the two guys, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I are going to go yonder and worship. He didn't say he was going to kill him or anything, sacrifice. He said, worship. And we, we will come back. Now, this is verse 5. We just read. He said, I'm not coming back alone. He said, we. What, what does that mean to you? Somehow, he already knew they were coming back. He declared it. He spoke it. Hello. He didn't tell him, I'm just going to come back myself. The, the lad won't be with me. He said, no, 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 no. My faith in God, my faith in the promise tells me that we're both coming back. This is powerful. Because we say we're people of faith, but sometimes we don't act it. Sometimes we don't speak it. Sometimes we don't declare it. Amen. We walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. So, so what, what, what happens is, Amen. God tells him in, in verse number, uh, let's go back to verse number 12, that the angel stops him. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. He was tested. Do you realize you're going to be tested in your faith? That's what trials are all about. Trials are for you to test your faith, your love for the Lord. It's to test your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. So, 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 here God has promised, amen, he made an Abrahamic covenant with Abraham about the child, the blessing. Amen. And he's going to be the father of many nations. And, and, and I, I got you to know, you have to understand what Numbers 23, 19 says about God. It says that God is not a man that he should lie. Or a son of man, that he should change his mind. But not the God the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You keep hearing today people trying to change the Bible. Rewrite the Bible. Oh, that, that's old-fashioned. It's for those days back then. No, no, no. It's relevant for today. It's relevant for tomorrow. The Word of God is relevant for the future. Everything's going to burn away, but the Word of God's going to stay, the Bible says. Yeah, this is the word of God. Hallelujah. God is not a man that he should lie, a man that he should change his mind, that he speak and not act, that he promise and not fulfill. Huh? No, he's the God that protects his reputation because of this word. He is bound to this word. This written word right here, Esther, he has got to fulfill it. He cannot change it. You have to know that, amen, because trust comes when you know him. You know his word. Look at Hebrews, amen, chapter 6, verses, uh, amen, 13 to 18. The Bible says these words. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear not by no one greater. You know what God did? He swore to himself. <laughs> Think about that. There's nobody greater to swear to on oath. So he did it to himself. Sounds kind of crazy, but there's nobody else that he could swear to this oath that he made with Abraham. So he swore it by himself, saying, Surely blessings I will bless you, and multiply I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, what did he do? You know, when I came back from, we came back from COVID and the church was uh, kind of dead. Some of you weren't back yet. There was about maybe 10, 12 people in here, all separated, at real small heartbeat, you know, really small. I mean, uh, uh, my, my daughter and I were concerned. Dad, I'm concerned. I'm concerned too, man. You know, my face was uh, really taking hits, you know. And I came to the place where I sat down with God and I said, God, I think it's time to quit. You ever been there? I got there. I started to get God my rhythm. You know, I've been up here for 37 years, God. Look what we built. I'm giving God my rhythm. I'm going to try to justify my retirement, my stopping. Plus, I'm getting too old, I said. I'm not a young chick no more. To rebuild is going to take a lot of energy, a lot of work. To do this takes a lot. 
I get done preaching, I go and take a nap. Hey, my menudo, my tortillas, my chile. And then this baby goes find the nap. And we're at the power nap. It'll work. I asked God if I could quit, if I could move. Everybody moving to Texas, Arizona, Florida. Why not us, Lori? Polly, let's sell the business. Let's sell everything. We can walk out of here pretty good. And God gives me these words. I am not done with you. <sighs> okay, what's the plan, God? Be patient. Wait. I don't want to do that. I had no idea how long it was going to take to do this for revival to come. I had no idea that revival was right down the road. I had no idea that the flood was coming. That life and Holy Ghost power. I know I did that the kingdom was ready to fall back into the church like it never had before. So I felt kind of like Abraham. So he, after he had patiently endured. Relax, guys. We're acting up. Patiently endure. Okay? That's what he said here. Once he did that, he said he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them that ended all disputes. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to their heirs the promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by his oath. God is bound to his word. When God says something, he's bound to it. He's not going to renege. He's not going to take it back. If you know God and he spoke to you and you know his voice as a sheep and you believe God, he is not going to renege. We know God and we've seen God move. I will build my kingdom. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. I don't care what the government does. I don't care what the laws are being done. I don't care what they think about the culture there. They're not going to stop me from building my church. The thing is, your call to help. Your call to work in this church. Amen. Understand. Again, God's reputation is built on his word. His word is the settler. God cannot and will not, amen, be contrary to his word. He will not violate his own commands. Know that. So Abraham, as recorded in Genesis 22, received the impossible promise, the son, amen, and he knew God would keep his word. He knew God was going to keep his word, his promise, so he put God to the test. And when he passed, guess what happened? He trusted him. Why you don't trust God? It's because you don't put God to the test. God is telling you to cut the people off and you don't do it. God is calling you to change your life and you don't do it. He's waiting for your yes. That radical yes so he can raise you up to that person you got to be in the church. In the kingdom. I'm watching God right now hit people. Amen. For a long time I've been praying for it. Please get them involved. Please let them, they're so gifted. They're so wonderful. Man, they're, they're, they're an asset to your kingdom. But I never want to get involved. They don't want to do yes. Well, how built. Senior pastor of Kingdom Culture East Bay, Reverend Paul Pimentel. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.